You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Well, Merry Post-Christmas, everybody. How do you feel? Maybe some of you a little tired, right? Maybe some of you a little stressed. Anybody here feeling stressed? You know, it's not only been a busy week, it's been a busy year and a crazy year to look back on, right? Or maybe you're hopeful. Hopeful that 2021 is going to be different, you know, like new and improved. I mean, how much worse can the next year be, right? All of this is just part of the dynamic of the society in which we live. We live with a low level of constant stress. And then we'll add to that the holiday stress. And then for some of you, there's crisis on top of that. So there exists in all of us certain levels of stress and anxiety. All right, take traffic, for instance. That's enough to drive you nuts. And help get the word out for me, will you, that the left lane are for those who don't want to go slow. Just putting that out there and... In addition, think about technology. Technology actually adds to our stress and anxiety in that you don't just come home from work anymore. A lot of times you bring your work home, and for the last several months, maybe your work has been at your home. So your away time is compromised. Now, one of the amazing things about the way God has designed us is that our body has certain indicators when we're stressed. So let me ask, what are you anxious about? What is it that keeps you up at night? And there are medical health issues that are a result of stress, mood swings, exhaustion, nervous twitch, weight gain, weight loss, panic moments, heart problems, a need to escape. And that could be drugs, alcohol, shopping, eating. And given all of that, we will respond in one of four ways. Fight, which is saying, I am not going to be moved. I'm here. I'm standing my ground. Or or the opposite of that, which is flight. (laughs) I'm out of here. I'm done. Fright which is when you can't make a decision. You're overwhelmed. You're paralyzed. Or the fourth response, faith. When you're inviting the Lord into your circumstances, even if they don't change externally, God will change you internally. That's exactly what we're going to learn today from the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the Philippians. He's already established the theme for us of joy and rejoicing. So he's going to talk about rejoicing. And he does so in the context that he's in jail. He's 800 miles away from the friends to which he's writing this letter. And he's talking about joy, not in the circumstances, but joy in the Lord in spite of the circumstances. I mean, can you imagine the stress and anxiety that Paul is carrying? Will I be sentenced to death? Will I be freed? Will my ministry continue? Will my reputation be restored? 
he writes and he says, join together in following my example. Now here is a leadership lesson. Whether you're in business or in ministry or in your family, how many of you have heard, don't do as I say, I mean, do as I say, don't do as I do, something like that. How many of you have heard, do as I say, not as I do? You know what that is? That's hypocrisy. Here's what Paul is saying. You should do it because that's what I do. He's living an exemplary life. He's not perfect. But the hope is, and almost every single person in here has sphere of influence, the hope is that you'll be a good example. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. If you have family or friends who are unbelievers, it should make you as heartbroken as it does the Apostle Paul. And here's what should always be the posture of our church. We are here so that those who don't follow Jesus can come to know Jesus and know the God who loves them. Speaking of the unbelievers, he continues, he says, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. They can't see God, they can't see heaven, they can't see the kingdom of God, they cannot see the risen Jesus. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Jesus died and rose, and he set the pattern and the precedent. You will die. But if you belong to him, he will resurrect you to be with him forever. And then what he's doing is distinguishing between residence and citizenship. Residence is where you live today. Citizenship is where you will live forever. And the question is, where does your ultimate loyalty and identity lie? In your residence or in your citizenship? What Paul says is that those who don't know the Lord Jesus... They have no concept beyond their residence. All they know and all they think is that this world is normal, natural, and all there is. They're, they're not aware that there's another world that will overtake this world. That this world is sinful and fallen, and that world is perfect. So what he's telling us is to look above our circumstances Look above our culture. Look above how others live their lives and look to the Lord Jesus as the king and become citizens of that kingdom. And you need to know, living life that way is counter-cultural. That means God's people do money differently. God's people do sex differently. God's people do gender differently. God's people do family differently. 
we do things differently because this is our residence, but it's not our citizenship. That our ultimate allegiance and loyalty is to a king, and we are to behave as if we are in his kingdom, not of our culture. So you need to know, if you're seeking to live out the life of a follower of Jesus Christ, you will face resistance in this world. Paul himself is writing this letter from jail. Not because he did something wrong, but because he did something right. He's telling people about Jesus. So I need to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? Have you given Jesus your sin and received from him his salvation? If so, then this is your residence, but this is not your citizenship. And what that means is that where we live now, this is the closest to hell as there will ever be. Ultimately, all that God has for you is good into eternity. And Paul says, look for the people who are walking this same path and walk with them. Because we need to encourage each other. And we need encouragement from each other. We need each other. But you also know that relationships can sometimes be the object of great stress. And what he's going to tell us next is he's dealing with church conflict between two women in that church in Philippi. There's division among believers. And where that happens, we are no longer modeling kingdom values. So Paul wants to address this. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, Paul doesn't tell us what the disagreement is. He doesn't even lay blame at one or the other. You know, many times in a relationship, there's a disagreement. You can't even agree on what was said. You said such as that. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Well, that's what I heard. Well, that's not what I meant. You can't agree on what was done. Well, you did this. Well, you did this. Or I did not do. And you can't agree with who's responsible. So does that mean that we don't have a relationship and that it has to end? No, it doesn't have to end. You go to the Lord and agree in the Lord. What that means is you let Jesus deal with you. I'll let Jesus deal with me. We'll lift each other up in prayer and see that the Lord won't give us a heart and mind reset. He goes on, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul says, these are both great women. They have served the Lord. They have served this church, and he wants to head this division off before it gets blown up on Facebook. Now he's going to start giving attention to rejoicing. There is a great need today to find joy. All of us have anxiety, and it's hard to discover joy in the midst of that. And if that's you, you're not alone. In fact, you're with the majority of people on planet Earth. So Paul wants to cover that. 
and try to correct it. So he says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say, rejoice in your circumstances. Paul is in prison. He's been arrested. He's broke. He doesn't know what fate awaits him. He can't rejoice in his circumstances, but he can and he chooses to rejoice in the Lord. This means we can always access the Lord's joy. Rejoicing in the Lord means going to the Lord to get your joy. You may not get it from your circumstances. You may not get it from your relationships. You may not get it from your health and your wealth, but you can obtain joy in the Lord, and that will help you live a life, good or bad, weeping or rejoicing, in the Lord. Because you see, God is constantly joyful, and it's an opportunity to access His joy. Rejoice in the Lord when? (laughs) Always. There are certain days, seasons, circumstances where we all want to say, this is hard. This is bigger than my joy. But it's not bigger than God's joy. Now, he's not saying that what you're struggling with doesn't exist, isn't real. It's just that God's joy is bigger than what you're struggling with. And this is a kind of joy that's only possible if you belong to Jesus Christ because one of the lies of the enemy is this. Joy is impossible under these circumstances. Let me tell you, when life is hard, you need joy all the more. You're going to need the Lord's joy to get you through. It says in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the joy of the Lord that will strengthen you to allow you to go through whatever it is that you need to go through. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me share with you some thoughts from the Apostle Paul. First, he says, make every day a thanksgiving day. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that happens to you, everything that you go through is good. Paul's in prison. He's separated from his friends. He doesn't know if he's going to make it out alive But he recognizes in the midst of his circumstances, he has people who love him and pray for him, who have sent to him Timothy and Epaphroditus for encouragement. And Paul has this daily desire to share Jesus Christ. Now you'd be thinking, you might be thinking, okay, how is he going to share Jesus Christ with anybody? He's chained in a jail to a Roman guard. Exactly. Every day, a new guard. Every day, a new audience. Make every day a Thanksgiving day. Number two, when you start to panic, stop to pray. He's talking about prayer and petition in everything. He says, when you start to panic, 
you need to stop and pray. And for those of us who would say, I don't have time to pray. I've got so much going on. It's just one thought after another. Then I would say all the more, make prayer a priority. Let me tell it myself. 30 years ago, I was, it was in the summer prior to my third and final year of seminary. Lori and I were living in, just outside of Atlanta. And for the first time, we had taken a group of youth, first time meaning because we've been doing it here many years, we were taking them to um, the Great Escape, junior high conference, middle school conference that took place in Tennessee. And we had just had this, uh, this whole week, <laughs> you know, focusing on God, doing all the God things, you know, Bible, praying, worshiping for a week. On our way home, it was a borrowed van. There were eight of us. It was Lori, myself, and six middle schoolers. We were on I-75 from Tennessee going toward Atlanta. And one of the tires blew. We didn't have a spare. We are on the side of the road of I-75. And not far from what was this huge curve. So folks couldn't see us from a, you know, a great distance away. People flying by us, passing us one after the other after the other. I mean, here we are, a group of, you know, eight of us out there on the shoulder of, of I-75. Truckers go by, you know, wave, honk. <laughs> a state trooper goes by. This was, I guess, I like police now because I'm a chaplain, so I have to, but... I don't know that I did that day. They didn't stop. They just kept going. And my mind is just, oh, man, a mile a minute. That last exit, I don't know. I don't know. Was there a gas station there? Was there anything? What was there? How far is the next exit? I don't know. And do I just try to go out on my own? Do I take all eight of us walking on the, you know, on I-75? If I'm not mistaken, Lori was pregnant with Jordan at the time. Great scenario. So what am I going to do? Oh, you know, just racing. One of the youth said, why don't we pray? Huh. I'm just a few semesters shy of being a, being a, having a degree in God. Why don't we pray? Wow. <sighs> when you start to panic, stop and pray. I wish I would have known that. But I was, I was taught that then. That middle schooler said that. We got back in the van. We prayed. I don't remember much of the content of that prayer other than, Lord, you know where we are. You know this is not a good spot. We've got these lives that are, you know, just precious to you. We know that. Um, whatever, you know, help us out, out of this situation. We get off the van, and one of the youth finds a piece of cardboard, like a box top kind of thing. It's about this size. I had a marker in my book bag and wrote the word help as large as I could hold it out behind the van. Remember, cars couldn't see us from a great distance, rounding that corner. No kidding. 
the next vehicle that came by was a van full of Presbyterian youth (laughs) from a different conference on their way home. And I can't remember if it was Louisiana, Alabama, somewhere in the the southern states. Crossing I-75, going our way. All eight of us were able to get on board. They took us to the next exit. Long story short, we were able to get help from there. When you're panicked... I'm not saying there's no reason not to panic, but the panic ultimately gets settled through prayer. Without it, without prayer, without settling that panic, here's some of the things that can happen. We vent. Worse, we self-medicate. Or we run the risk of ruining relationships. But let me say this, having stress or anxiety isn't necessarily a sin. Look at Jesus' life. Did he have stress? Yes. Did he sin? No. So stress doesn't necessarily mean sin. It's an opportunity to worship. What does Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's facing the cross? Imagine the stress. Praise. Lord, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will. And he sweats drops of blood. Incredible stress. But he knows the Father loves him. And he knows he's not going around this burden. He's going to go through it. And the amazing thing about our God The extraordinary thing about being a Christian is that we have a God who got off of his throne. He knows our anxiety. He knows our stress. He knows our humanity. And he chose to go with us. Jesus knows what it's like to have someone betray you or abandon you. Jesus knows what it's like to have someone lie about you. Jesus knows what it's like to have someone steal from you. Jesus knows what it's like to have someone press false charges against you. Jesus knows what it's like when someone fails you. Jesus knows what it's like when you're homeless. Jesus knows what it's like when you're dying. Jesus not only gets it, he gets into it with you and goes through it with you. And then number three, you remove fear by remembering the presence of God. The Lord is near, Paul said. Don't be anxious. The Lord is at hand. This means he's with you. He's right here. The number one command in the Bible is fear not. Several hundred times the Bible says do not fear. Why? Fear is something we all struggle with. Anxiety is something we all struggle with. It's not just a Christian problem. It's a human problem. And almost every time the Bible says, do not fear, don't be afraid, in that same verse or next verse, somewhere close to it, it'll say, for I am with you. I will never leave you. This means it is the love of God 
that casts out the spirit of fear. Here's the point. People who are afraid run from their problems. People with faith run to the Lord. If you will do that, it is the peace of God, it is the presence of God that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This means whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever you're fearing, He will go with you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a relational, loving, guiding Father. Lord Jesus, thank you that you get it, that you came to earth and you felt it and you were in it and you went through it and you're there with us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to bring the peace that passes understanding, a supernatural joy that comes in spite of our circumstances. In the name of the Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.